Telugu is my mother tongue, Hindi is my national language. So there are few people understand Hindi, so I do Hindi. This is Romans, Roman chapter 6, from 8 to 14. I read it in Hindi first, verse by verse, number 8. So, Yani hum Masih ke saath mar gaye, to hamara viswas yahe ki uske saath jiyenge bhi. 9. Kyunki ya jante hai, vi Masih hai, mare huwe mein se ji utkar, phir marne khaat nahi. Us par phir mritti ki prabut nahi hone ki. 10. Kyunki wo jo mar gaya to paap ke liye ek ki bhaar mar gaya. Parantu, jo jivit hai, do parameshwar ke liye jivit hai. 11. Ese hi tumbi apne aapko paap ke liye to mara. Parantu, parameshwar ke liye masi issue mein jivit samjo. 12. Isliye paap tumhare maranha sharir mein raj na kare ki tum usko Lal Subko E Adi Rahe. Thirteen. Auna Apne Angonka Adharmake Hatiyar Hone Kelie Papko Sampo. Pan Apne Aapko Marehueme Se Jibutahua. John Kerpermeshwar Ko Sampo. Our Apne Angonko Dharmake Hatiyar Hone Kelie Parmeshwar Ke Sampo. Fourteen. Our humper pap ki prabut nahugi kyunki tum vyavastha ke adin nahi varna anugrah ke adin hai. Romans 6 in English from eight words. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but to live to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as though you have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Here ends the lesson. So I've got 12 minutes to unpack this. Thank you. <laughs> I have read this passage so many times over the last week, trying to get my head around what I think is quite wordy language, trying to understand what Paul is really saying to the people of Rome, people that you may recall he has not even met yet, um, but people he knows to be wrestling with the implications of their newfound faith in Christ and the impact of this on their lives. In chapter 6 of his letter to the Romans, Paul's focus is on the new life that we live as Christians just because of the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
I think this is quite a complicated passage as Paul tries to explain some of the fundamental beliefs of our Christian faith. He is telling us that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal that the death of our human bodies was no longer the end. There is a future beyond our earthly life as our destiny as followers of Christ goes on. Furthermore, Paul tells us, because of Jesus' death on the cross, we are no longer held captive to the demands of sin. We are now dead to sin, Paul says. Dead to sin, but alive to the work of God in our lives. God has wiped the slate clean, and we are now living in a freedom released from the control that sin has over us. Sounds great, doesn't it? But this can't be the whole truth, because we know that even as believers, even as followers of Christ, we still make mistakes all the time. We still disobey God. Even as believers, we still know that eventually we will die, our earthly bodies will come to an end. Paul leaves us with something of a theological dilemma. And I think it highlights quite an interesting question. Should we continue to sin so that God's grace has opportunity to flourish? When we sin, are we just giving God even more opportunity to be gracious to us? If God's grace is offered unconditionally, what difference does it make if we sin or not? If we are fully pardoned and accepted by God just the way we are, justified through faith, no matter what we do, good or bad, if we are loved and included in the salvation that is offered to us through Jesus, what difference does it make what we do in the here and now? What is the point of trying to behave well and live in a way that echoes God's will for us and the world? Paul's already told us that nothing we do can make God withdraw this offer of salvation. We can have our cake and eat it. We can do anything at all. And we will still, every single one of us, still be accepted and loved by God. So what is the point in trying to live a good and holy life? As you might expect, Paul's answer is to refute these arguments completely. Absolutely not, he says. No way. It is precisely because we have chosen to align ourselves with God, not with sin, that we have been changed and we accept Christ's promise of new life. When we baptise people... We talk of baptism as a sign, as a seal of new birth. We are washed by the Holy Spirit and made clean. We are clothed with Christ, dying to sin so that we may live in his risen life. The liturgy, the words of baptism service, remind us that baptism marks the start of a new way in our lives, following Christ. This is the beginning of a journey that we will continue for the rest of our lives, a step towards us responding to this offer that God makes to us of love. Baptism is more than just a nice ritual, um, a rite of passage that Christians participate in. It marks a radical change in our identity. 
of radical change as we enter a new stage of our relationship with God. Our old sinful selves die buried deep in the waters of baptism and what re-emerges is a new creation. Our old lives, our old priorities are put aside so that we can follow Christ. Paul wants us to grasp the significance of Christ's death and resurrection. It stands to reason, he argues, that if we are identified with Christ in his death, then we are also identified with him in his resurrection. The two things are intrinsically completely connected. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and gives us hope of life eternal is at work in the life of Christian believers today, here, today. Now, when I was little, I used to love reading um, books with stories that led the characters into new worlds with different dimensions. Things like um, the Narnia books, where you could walk through a wardrobe or open a door and find that you were in a new world, really caught my attention. I found this idea that there were um, secret realms where other worlds existed was really appealing. In the previous chapters of his letter to the Romans, Paul has introduced this idea that there are two dominions to life. One which leads us to death, which is headed by Adam, humanity I suppose, and the other which is led by Christ and leads us to life. Paul is telling us that when we commit our lives to Christ, it's like we're entering a new world. We are opening um, that magic door. We are stepping through the wardrobe into a new world, a parallel dimension. Everything we've known before dies. And we are open to life filled with new possibilities. It isn't magic. We don't step out of baptism waters with new superpowers. But we should be refocused, realigned. Those material human priorities of our life before baptism should now be reorientated with a new focus on Christ. The message translation of the Bible puts it this way. You must no longer give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly, full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead. Raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You are living in the freedom of God. Paul is telling us that the new way of life, the new holiness that we take on as Christians, is just the sequel to God's act of justification. From the moment we dedicate our lives to following Christ, power of sin that is in our old lives dies away. Every subsequent act of sin, those things that we continue to do, those mistakes, just contradict who we are, who we want to be. And it's therefore destructive to the new life growing within us. Nothing, nothing can stop us from receiving God's love, from being accepted as one of God's children. But if we choose to live a life of sin, living recklessly, destructively, our behaviour can be extremely damaging to us, harmful to the people around us. It can affect every aspect of our lives, here on earth and in the future eternity. 
Now, Paul's words are far from being a fantasy story that we tell to children. Dying to sin, being alive to new life, is not the same as opening a door in a new world where everything is miraculously different and the past is forgotten. In becoming followers of Christ, we move from one kind of humanity, steeped in sin, into the very life that is offered us by Christ with the abundance that that, um, that gives us. Our world is changed as it becomes modelled, shaped around Christ. Because this is what Paul is saying. Whatever is true of Christ is now true of us too. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We have died to sin. We are risen to new life in Christ. And when he comes again, we will be ready to join him in eternal glory. New life means intentionally, decisively living with new patterns of behaviour, new habits, new ways of thinking, new ways of being in relationship with each other and with God. Sin has no hold on us any longer. It has died. Its control over us has died. It's time to let it go, to walk away. The death of our old lives, the call of our new life, means fully inhabiting our new life as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a challenge to us, but one should excite us, it should inspire us. And I say, bring it on, bring it on. Amen.